Tom Kissingberry here. Nah, I'm just kidding. We don't have Tom Kissingberry money. It's just me, Peter Howard, and Jake Anderson meeting at the Dynasty Crossroads once a week for 30 minutes to talk about one player at a time. We look at the film with Jake, we talk about the analytics with me, and we try to come to a consensus. We do have a pretty cool theme song, though. Peter crunches numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. And a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. Guys, I think I just watched the worst Monday night football game that I've ever seen the New England Patriots be a part of. That's Travis the Beard. Hey guys, how do you make a waterbed more bouncy? You don't. That's silly. You use, you use spring water. <laughs> I am John Trade Deadline Redemption 2 Hogue. And this is a Super Flex Super Show! It's high noon in its dusty old cow town that is the NFL. Time for the Deadeye teams to reload their six shooters and get ready to let the bullets fly while everyone else holsters their guns and settles into the saloon. Plus, there's a new sheriff and deputy in town in Cleveland after neither Hugh Jackson nor Todd Haley survives their showdown. And the winner is the young gunslinger Baker Mayfield and all his fantasy owners. Saddle up, partners, for the Superflex SOPs going into week nine. Giddy up! Let's start with what we learned this week before we get to those SOPs, though. What'd you learn, Travis? First of all, I just need to commend you on on sticking with that whole Western gunslinger <laughs> theme for that long. Thank you. Very really. Good. You really went hard with that, so thank you. I, I I go all out for our listeners, and I know that the <laughs> only way to get their attention right now, the only way to pry people away from Red Dead Redemption Two right now, is to talk about Red Dead Redemption Two in fantasy football terms. I, I I'd be playing right now if I wasn't recording this. No, See, no joke. See, ah, uh, you youngins and your <laughs> Vidya games. Oh, it's a good one though. Um, all right. So first thing I learned. Uh, it was more of a realization. Basically, Booger McFarland went from being my possibly my least favorite game commentator to my absolute favorite, at least for one week. And it was because of one sentence he said, Kelvin Benjamin is one Popeye's biscuit away from being a tight end. Yeah. That is the funniest thing that I've heard in a very long time. <laughs> and That's I cannot nice. believe that he said that on national television. Yeah, I feel like the writing might be on the wall a little bit for for Booger McFarland, so it's kind of like, why not just go for it at this point? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just just say what's on your mind now. You're not saving He's to go out with a bang. Yeah. That was awesome. Uh, second thing I learned this week is even Jimmy Haslam's stubbornness and stupidity has to give way eventually. And there is hope for the Browns yet, James. We got to talk about this for a minute, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. The reports were that Jimmy Haslam really wanted to keep Hugh Jackson, and John Dorsey was against that. So I, know. I think maybe I think maybe John Dorsey got his way. So I don't even know if 
if Jimmy Haslam's stubbornness and stupidity um, has given way yet, I think it's just he just you know trusted somebody else <laughs> for once. So I guess I guess that's still good. You know, I mean the the result. I hate you know rooting for anybody to lose their position, but the result. Um, I think this was long overdue, and uh, I think he sent a clear message. You know, because I mean there was a lot of rumors about. He and Todd Haley kind of not getting along and there being a lot of discourse between the two. And to get rid of both of them really makes a statement like we're, we're not going to have that here. You know, you guys are going to work together as a staff or else, you know, this this is you can see yourself out, you know. And so um, I, I give them props, John Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam, for, for making this move. Um, I know letting go of Todd Haley wasn't popular with a lot of fans, but I think it was the right move. You think if they would have lost games, you know, in lockstep that they would still have their jobs? You think it was just the the losing games while they were fighting that yeah, day? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, winning winning heals all. So if they were, if they were winning <laughs> games, I, yeah, I don't think they'd make this change. I think they would have found a way to try to make it work. But at this point, no. But what if they were getting along, but they were still losing? Ah, uh, I I I think hmm, that's a good question. I don't I don't know. I don't know that the move gets made after. Or when it did, um, I would say he probably, you know, earns another game or two if if everything was kind of working well and they felt decent about the uh, the direction that everything was heading in. Um, but I, yeah, that's that's a tough question. I don't know. Um, I really don't. I think I think again, maybe they buy themselves a week or two to try to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think much longer. Crazy. So, what do you guys think for for fantasy? How does this affect the offense, Baker Mayfield? Who's calling plays there? So it's Freddie Kitchen, right? Takes over yep. as the the interim uh, offensive coordinator. Greg Williams takes over as the interim head coach. And uh, so Freddie Kitchen is kind of the guy that we're the most interested in, right, James? Greg Williams is uh, kind of a defensive mind, so for, mm-hmm. right for for those of a for you know for fantasy purposes, we're kind of looking at the offense. And uh, so Freddie Kitchen is is the guy that we need to know about here, I'd say. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens is he's a quarterback guy. Um, he actually played quarterback for uh, uh, Alabama uh, from '93 to '97. Um, he's been a, a quarterback coach. He's been an OC uh, for a little bit. He uh, he was a coach at North Texas at Alabama, um, and then uh, he had stops in the NFL. I know he was with Arizona. I he was with. I believe Dallas as well. Um, and he also spent some time in, at, at LSU. Um, so um, he's gotten, you know, he, he's gotten some experience uh, in some different offenses. Um, it will be interesting to see. I don't know that he's called plays before. Um, I mean, he's he's been an offensive coordinator. I just don't know that he's, he's called plays, um, if that makes any sense. I'm not sure that that was part of his job duties. Um, I know he was a tight end coach with the Cowboys. That's kind of how he broke into the NFL was, was that, um, you know, he worked uh, very closely with Jason Witten back then. So, um, that was interesting. He ended up being a tight ends coach with the Cardinals. Um, and then, uh, he became a quarterback coach there and he coached Carson Palmer in his pro bowl year. So, I mean, he definitely has history working with quarterbacks, working with tight ends. And so, I guess that probably is a positive for Baker Mayfield and for David Njoku, I would guess. Well, it's hard to get much worse than zero targets for David Njoku, so 
Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that's the case. Yeah, seriously. He also spent a lot of time in Arizona. I think it was like 11 years, mostly on Bruce Arians' staff. And, uh, I mean, we've we've kind of seen the the trademark of the Bruce Arians offense being, you know, the running backs involved in the passing game. So could be a pretty big uptick for Duke Johnson as well. Would that that's my that was kind of my initial thought, I guess, was the the guy who probably stands to benefit the most to me is probably Duke Johnson. All right, this week I learned that the Patriots still live to mess with us fantasy players. On the Monday night game, the carries leader for the Patriots was a wide receiver. The leader in targets and catches was a running back. Rob Gronkowski, Josh Gordon, Chris Hogan, all nearly identical stat lines, and they all three finish with single-digit fantasy points in PPR. Just when we think that maybe we're starting to figure out what this offense is going to be, this is what they do to us. It wasn't a great matchup, I'll give you that, but at this point in the season, in the fantasy season, coming up on trade deadlines when we're looking ahead to the playoffs for you know for those who were who have a winning record and uh, look look like they're headed for the playoffs this might be a good time to move some stuff around to get it to to get your roster to a point where you have a better understanding of what's going to happen week to week and to me that means getting some of these patriots off of your roster not just to do it not just to dump them but to get back some value for guys like Josh Gordon, Rob Gronkowski, you know, James White, Tom Brady, and get some guys who are going to have a little bit more predictability going forward when uh, when you're in some must-win matchups. Because I, to me, this is what the Patriots have always been, and this is a this is kind of the point in the season when they do start to transition into a, a more conservative offense and a more uh, inclusive offense where everybody is is a little bit involved and then the other thing I learned this week is to is it's time to start selling LA Rams they're just they're too good and I know that that seems counterintuitive but here's the problem guys so they've got one last hurdle here in week nine when they take on the New Orleans Saints if they win that game if they beat the Saints I mean they're they're two games up for the number one seed in the NFC and they'll have beaten all of the top contenders in the NFC. I mean, I guess they still have Carolina left, but there's, there's not, there's nothing to stop them from, from securing that one seed fairly early in, in the NFL season and start benching those players, which Sean McVay absolutely does. And, uh, I mean, you could be looking at the last round or two of your fantasy playoffs without Jared Goff, without Todd Gurley, without Brandon Cooks or Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. It, it, if your trade deadline is coming up, now, now might be the time to send those guys off for players who are actually going to be playing in weeks 15 and 16 of the NFL season. Yeah, man, I agree. You do too? Yeah, I, I do, and I think it starts with guys like Robert Woods, who just I don't think his current pace is sustainable. Um, well, you just and, hate Robert Woods. I don't. I don't. I <laughs> like have, Robert Woods you a have lot. For I just a while I, here. 
He's he's the fourth pass catching option in that offense. Yeah, you've been when, hating when, on him for, for a little. <laughs> when they when they don't have to throw the ball as much because they've beaten all the good teams and they're going against the bottom feeders like San Francisco, Arizona. Like they're not gonna have to use Robert Woods. That's just not not so when Cooper Cup comes back, I don't think Robert Woods has has that high ceiling um that people are buying him at now. So I'd sell him high. Yeah, I mean, I can get more on board with the idea of selling a player for a specific situation, and I get I get the whole thing that you just talked about, John. But I mean, we're selling we're selling very productive players because they may or may not be benched in week sixteen. Yes, I mean, the chances of them being benched in week fifteen are very slim. Sixteen doesn't happen all that often, but I could see that happening if they are you know fourteen and zero at that point. But you got to get there first, man. And that's so I don't know. I mean, it's only week nine. But um, imagine know. imagine the guys that you could get for Todd Gurley who are going to play the entire game in week 16 for you. If, you know, to, yeah. they can still get you to the championship. I mean, I'm not talking I'm not saying sell low on these guys at all. I'm saying that right now you can get max value for these guys, but and also you're just kind of running out of time to do it because most fantasy leagues have a trade deadline coming up. So that's the only reason that I'm saying sell right now is just sell before your trade deadline. But I, I, I mean, I think you should be able to get an absolute haul for Todd Gurley. You could get pretty much any two players in the NFL for Todd Gurley, I would say. Yeah, and probably, but basically, if you're starting Todd Gurley, your your, I mean, your chances of winning that matchup are are pretty significant. And I just think there's a lot of speculation and a lot of assumption in saying that. I mean, the sole reason for selling Todd Gurley is so that you don't have to ha- deal with him being benched in Week 16. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I I don't know that I can buy into that, man. Why don't you just ride him to get to week 16 and then just hold Malcolm Brown and play Malcolm Brown in your championship and he'll score you two touchdowns. Would you rather have Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown or, you know, Saquon Barkley and Jalen Richard? Probably Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown. Really? You're not, dude, if you're, I if mean, you're that good of a team, you're not going to be starting Jalen Richard. So he doesn't really do but anything you, adding him to your team. But you could if you need to. Whereas Malcolm Brown, I mean, that's just a wasted roster spot until week 16. Right, but if that's the only reason you're you're selling Todd Gurley is because he might not be there in week 16, I mean, that seems like the simplest insurance policy. I, I mean, I get what you're well, saying. I just don't – I don't know that I, I am buying into that, that strategy idea with you. It's a perfectly acceptable – thing to do i i just personally i, I don't think i'd get Tom on Gurley. board i get it i get it it's cool well not even that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i like i like writing this guy who's putting up unreal numbers to week 16 that's all yeah okay good luck what'd you learn james yeah i learned that the vikings are just not a good team they're closer <laughs> to average than good they they just are and you know, a lot of their fans like to point out that they were missing a bunch of starters. Who isn't at this point of the year? I, basically, that team just, it seems like every time I start thinking that this team is good, 
especially the defense, I started thinking, man, this defense turned a corner. They're starting to play well. Then they put up a clunker like they did. I mean, they were down 30 to 13. New Orleans could have kept scoring, but they didn't have to. Um, this game ended 30 to 20. You were at home on in prime time on Sunday night, and you put up a clunker like that. I mean, the Saints defense is not a great defense. There's no reason why you couldn't put up more than 20 points offensively. Defensively, this team is just, I mean, even your best player, Xavier Rhodes, you know, one of the one of your top defensive players at cornerback, he he got he got exposed. I mean, just this team isn't as good as I, I thought they would be. Um and I, I think this is like a nine, six and one team with that one tie that they have. I mean, I don't think they're very good at all. So um yeah, that's that's one thing I learned. It took me a while to kind of come to that realization. Uh, next thing is that, you know, injury reports are unpredictable and trying to figure out snap shares and splits um, for any of these players that are hurt are are just it's, it's a coin toss. I mean, you can listen to the coach talk. You can look at what the injury is and you could try to figure out what this guy's role is going to be. But it's just I mean, good luck. It's just so I mean, you know, you hear that this player is missing practice. They they oh, they, they suited up and had a limited practice. At the end of the week, and all of a sudden they're, you know, leading, leading in touches in the backfield. Or, you know, this wide receiver is, yeah, he's fine. He looks like he's fine. And then he goes out and he's more of a decoy. And it just seems like this week it really kind of showed that, I mean, if you're going to start somebody that's, that's you know, been missing practices and, you know, they, they say is going to play – Good luck because I you don't know what his usage is going to be. It could be great. You you could be starting a guy and he you know he could not miss a beat, or you could be starting a guy who's going to do next to nothing. So um, just kind of proceed with caution, I guess, because I've even tried looking at certain head coaches, certain teams to see if you know there's maybe trends there. And uh, this year, it's there there really isn't. I mean, there's just um, it's just anyone's guess as to how that players going to react when they warm up, I guess, and, you know, what their usage is going to be. So Maybe we could call that one the Matt Breda theorem. Yeah, him. Seriously. Uh, Peyton Barber is another one who looked like he was he was heading, you know, to be out, and then all of a sudden he ends up playing and he ends up getting the majority of carries. And then um, go to Monday night where, it, you know, Sony Michelle was cleared and it looked like, you know, maybe he would pra- get in one practice and play and then they ruled him out. Um, it, it's just uh, Allen Robinson, another one where it looked like uh, early in the week, it looked like, you know, the Bears were saying they weren't worried about it. He should play and then he doesn't. And then Cooper Cup's another one who, you know, I don't I, you read in the Sean McVay's comments and you think he's going to play and then you realize he's doubtful. So I, it's just there were several players that it was just kind of hard to to gauge what was going to happen until you actually got that you know that that report and then once you did it was still hard to know what the the guys who suited up what their roles were going to be so all right let's move on to this week's super flex standard operating procedures just a quick preface here we're recording this early in the morning on the the day of the uh the trade deadline in the NFL so it's very possible that some some things change um, by the time you're listening to this, uh, with some players on the move in the NFL. But with the information that we have at hand, here are some guys that you can add and drop, buy and sell, and stash a week early. Let's start with the add drops. We're looking for players at different positions, three players at different positions 
with 33% ownership or less on Yahoo as guys that you can prioritize in waivers this week and then some guys that you can drop to make room for those players as well. And we'll start with Travis. All right, so I cheated a little bit and I did two wide receiver, two wide receivers and a tight end. Um, so whatever, John, you have to come <laughs> at me later. <laughs> You're just daring um, me. It's like, what am I going to do about that? I mean, also, uh, not, nothing. That's why I did it. <laughs> yeah, yep. Also, uh, spoiler alert, Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't make it onto any of our lists, even though in a super flex league, I believe he is priority number one. If, uh, assuming he got dropped. Same thing. Yeah. Yep. I think he would be like a blow the rest of your fab kind of guy. What do you guys think? Correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He might not even start, but just the the upside. I mean, you got to make that, that you got to take that chance, I guess. So he has been named the uh, week nine starter. I mean, really, I missed that. Yeah. Yeah. Dirt cutter already said that he'll start in week nine. Wow. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great for my vampire team. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't hang on to him. So, um, Oh no, I'm going to have to go hard after him. I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford him, but we'll see. All you people in the, in the Travis vampire division, you watch your backs. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Ryan Fitzmagic, baby. I'm going to beat you with Ryan Fitzmagic and, and Wendell Smallwood and <laughs> Josh Reynolds. <laughs> All right. So first up for my first ad this week is wide receiver Kiki QT. Woo! He, yeah, he's 20% owned. And honestly, guys, other than Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think Kiki QT is the headliner for the waiver wire this week across all positions uh, with Will Fuller on IR. I think that's pretty clear as as to why that is but um he so he did miss this last game and he has a hamstring injury himself so he's questionable for week nine but i think he's gonna play and they're gonna need him behind deandre hopkins and kiki qt on the texans wide receiver depth chart is sammy Coates and vincent smith and that's pretty much it and on top of that, we've already seen how productive Kiki QT can be on this offense. We've already seen his ceiling on this offense. He has two games over 17 fantasy points um, his rookie season. So once he's back in that lineup, I think that – I mean, he's obviously the clear number two on that team. And I think he's going to be a wide receiver two in fantasy for the rest of the season. So I think that he's he's the only one on this whole list that I'm really, really excited to to spend some fab money on. Um, you guys, I'd love to hear if you if you differ on that opinion. My next pickup is wide receiver DJ Moore. And I almost went with Devontae Parker and, and uh, Cortland Sutton here. But DJ Moore uh, was the favorite just by a little bit. So Moore led the Panthers in targets this last week with six. He had kind of a mini breakout. Uh, he capitalized on those targets five for 90. So it's possible that this was just a one-week thing due to the opponent-specific matchups or game plan because Devin Funches was in a bad spot. But DJ Moore definitely made a case for himself and for his playing time to go up. I think he's the most talented wide receiver on the Panthers, and his role should only increase moving forward. Uh, The Carolina wide receivers also have the best wide receiver strength of schedule for the rest of the season, starting with this coming week's matchup against Tampa Bay's poor excuse for a defense. So DJ Moore is even usable right away. I think it's DJ Moore breakout time, guys. 
The last wide receiver, or I'm sorry, the last waiver wire pickup I have is tight end Ed Dixon, and I'm not excited about it. Uh, you guys took all the rest of the good ones, but I have to have a third one. So Ed Dixon makes the list. Uh, it's the tight end position is pretty, pretty uh, nasty under 33% ownership. Uh, but you know Ed Dixon has some upside. His first game back from injury. He made a pretty significant impact on this team. He only saw two targets, but he caught both for 54 yards and a touchdown. They targeted him downfield. His targets should go up, I think, even if just a little bit, as he gets more entrenched in this offense. And we already saw last season with Carolina that he can be successful in a receiving tight end role. So if you're desperate at tight end, I think Ed Dixon's worth a pickup. They are also playing the Chargers next week, who have allowed the fourth most points to opposing tight ends over the last four weeks. So, yeah, not not super in love with the Ed Dixon call, but here we are. My first drop this week, I think we can drop Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde is still 82% owned right now. I I don't understand what the Jaguars were doing trading for Carlos Hyde because he didn't play in his first game in Jacksonville. And then now they're going into a bye week, and after the bye week, Leonard Fournette's supposed to be back. So they really traded for him for this one game in week eight, and he saw six carries. So not really sure what the deal is there, but he's going into a bye, and he's coming out of the bye. They're going to be in a crowded backfield. Carlos Hyde, I think, doesn't need to be rostered in redraft leagues right now. The next drop is Corey Clement. The Philadelphia backfield is still and will always be a timeshare under Doug Peterson. It doesn't matter who's healthy at running back. We have a large enough sample size at this point with this team under Doug Peterson to know that that will always be the case. So while we don't know how many touches each back will see in any given game in this offense, we do know at this point that Corey Clement seems to be the odd man out, at least for now. So I don't see the point in holding the running back three on this team who's only going to see five looks a game like he did this last week. He's 53% owned. I think he can be dropped. And the last drop I have this week is Chris Hogan. And honestly, Chris Hogan should have been dropped weeks ago. I'm not quite sure why people are still holding on to Chris Hogan. I was shocked to see that he was 51% owned. He's outside the top 50 wide receivers on the season. He's like wide receiver 54. He has three games all year with over seven PPR points. And he's got 32 targets on the season. Josh Gordon has 31. Julian Edelman has 34. And they've been there about half the time that Chris Hogan has. So I don't think we need to hold on to Chris Hogan. Yeah, agreed. I love all those. Um, Corey Clement was pretty close to making my drop list, too. Um, you, you sniped me on that one. Kiki QT has not quite as good of a schedule going forward as DJ Moore. But, uh, man, it's awfully close. He's got a nice schedule as well. He, They do get Denver this week. The only guy worth worrying about on in that entire Denver secondary is Chris Harris Jr., and he does line up on the slot receiver most of the time. So temper expectations this week, but it's all systems go after that. So, I, yeah, I, I'm with you as far as that being the number two priority this week. Sweet. What do you guys think about DJ Moore? Is it DJ Moore breakout time? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like DJ Moore an <laughs> awful enough. lot. I just don't I, – I'm not buying it yet So, in redraft. so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess in redraft I'm kind of the, the same way. I mean, I think this absolutely could be the breakout, but just 
the way rookie wide receivers run hot and cold throughout their rookie season just I mean it makes it feel like it's going to be even with this nice schedule it's going to be a little tough to figure out when to start DJ Moore and when he just belongs on your bench so but I mean I I think that he's I think that he's worth a you know a decent amount of fab you know somewhere in the 25 percent range but um there's wow that's higher than I would go really so maybe you're <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I so mean you're on board it yeah I guess so I mean at this point in the season I don't I don't know that anybody else with that type of upside is going to hit the the waiver wires um what about Devonte Parker man yeah, no thanks. <laughs> I do feel like DJ Moore could uh, could create kind of an inefficiency on your roster. Um, just just you know the fact that he is still a rookie and those and rookie wide receivers, man, they they just get hard to trust. But uh, at least on a weekly basis. Um, but you you'll get some good starts out of him. But here's some guys that I would add. First of all, I've got Elijah McGuire at 6% owned. He's eligible to come back off of the pup list this week and uh, take on the Bilal Powell role that Trenton Cannon failed to completely run away with. Marquez Valdez-Scantling at 6% owned. I mean, with only two catches, one of them being a long 40-yard touchdown late in the game against the Rams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he only had two catches, and yet he looked like a close second for the best wide receiver on the Green Bay Packers for me. So, first, definitely for redraft. I think that he, I, I think that he might have just taken taken a job away from Rand, from uh, Randall Cobb, and he might have just pushed uh, Geronimo Allison down in the pecking order as well. And uh, in Dynasty, I think that he's absolutely worth whatever it takes to stash him because this could be a high-end wide receiver too as early as next season. The rest of this season, I think that he's he's probably a high-end flex play. But uh, in that off- in that offense that desperately needs more targets than just Devontae Adams, I think Marquez Valdez Scantling just kind of just separated himself from from the rest of those guys, and then. Tight end Jack Doyle, 26% owned. So, I mean, we're getting pretty close to that that cutoff line. But, I mean, so Eric Ebron scores the long touchdown, and that was kind of the moment where I just finally resigned myself to the fact that Jack Doyle is not going to be a thing. And then from there, it just turned into the Jack Doyle show. He outsnapped Eric Ebron 82% to 18%. He had more targets, more catches. He led the team in in receiving yards, and uh, he even got in the end zone. Jack Doyle is is just is going to be Andrew Luck's favorite target anytime that T. Y. Hilton is uh, is taken out of the game by you know the top cornerback on the on the opposing side. And Jack Doyle could be a league winner at the tight end position. Mm-hmm. Jack Doyle rules. Jack Doyle rules. He's okay as the number two tight end on the Colts. <laughs> number no. two tight end just spent way more time on the field than the quote-unquote number one. So yeah, Number Eric one Ebron's got 17%. Been... 
Yeah. Eric Ebron has been carrying the load for seven weeks now. They gave him a much deserved break. That's all. It was, it was, and it was nice of him to keep the throne warm for Jack Doyle, but now the oh, man come is on. back. You guys are flipping the script that quickly on me, huh? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Do I need to? It was way too obvious. Jack Do Doyle I need to rules. print out that tweet that you sent, John? Uh, no, you don't. You don't need In to do that. In the first quarter of the Colts game, <laughs> I believe it was <laughs> quote. All right, fine, Travis, you win. Hashtag Eric Ebron. I think yeah. that's what it was, right? Yep, that was it. And and I admit it, that was right after Eric Ebron scored that twenty yard touchdown. And that touchdown just, was awesome. It, it was. I mean, he basically just just won a hail mary. Was essentially what that was. And he got the toe tap in the in the along the sideline. It was an awesome touchdown. The Jack problem Doyle is, wouldn't have caught that. Well, probably. Probably not, but he didn't need to. <laughs> he was. I'd, I'd like to take a second to point out that in the off season, I mentioned several times how these Colts wide receiving core was terrible, and that I thought that both these tight ends would be productive. So I'm I'm just throwing that out there. I don't mean to pat myself on the back or anything or toot my own horn, but I was you right. Did. Just saying. You definitely don't get to pat yourself on the back when. Yeah, I mean, what? you're the main narrative for you in the entire offseason was was anti Andrew Luck. Right. <laughs> okay, okay, look, I made amends for that. All right. I apologize publicly <laughs> for that already. Okay. So Did you, you can't, because you can't hold that I remember that's like me going week. after that's like me going after Travis for his Tyree Kill takes. You know, like I, I can't do that anymore. He the man he he took ownership of it. So, <laughs> so I have done that with luck. I don't okay. remember you doing that with Andrew Luck. I don't either, but you. Uh, I feel like oh, I feel you like probably got up week, and you probably got up and got coffee when I was talking about how I was wrong about Andrew Luck, and therefore you didn't hear it, Travis. That's probably that's, what happened. That's a very <laughs> legitimate possibility. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me give you guys a couple guys to drop. And all right, full disclosure: neither of these guys are are heavily owned by any means, but can say that again <laughs> it but if you're still waiting on these guys based on their their situation their their situations just changed dramatically adam humphreys without Jameis winston does not belong on fantasy rosters and alan hearns with amari cooper does not belong on fantasy rosters again they're not heavily owned but they should not be owned at all yeah, Adam Adam Humphreys one percent owned. Alan Hearns three percent owned. So yeah. Oh, maybe you know what, John? I'll give you some credit. I think you meant dynasty drops. Uh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to save you a little bit here, man. <laughs> we could just move on. You guys took all of the best drops this week, so <laughs> you, I I got to the show sheet last. You guys beat me to the good ones, so. Yeah. That's what you get this... for, for spending so much time getting your fancy coffee at Starbucks. That's right. Me uh, and James are, are old coffee. school here, making making coffee in our kitchens. Yeah, and I'm grinding beans, man. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, you're missing out on the good drop candidates because you're in the the Starbucks line. So, so priorities, worth it. man. So worth it. I'll I'll take uh I'll I'll take my uh my Starbucks and Adam Humphreys and Alan Hearns. I'm I'm fine with that. Gross. All right. Let's get to why why the listeners are listening here. That's my ad drops. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> the, no. my my ads my, my ads. Two of the three guys I actually had on um, 
uh, on a segment last, yeah, on on a segment last uh, last week called next week this week last week next week this week. Um, but if you didn't get them last week, go and get them this week because if you did, then you don't even have to worry about it. You've already got these guys. First one is Kyle Walletta, and look, it, it's Ey Ey's bad. He's just bad, and I it, look that offense is struggling. It's not all his fault. That offensive line isn't great. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on there, but Ey, even when he does have time, it just looks terrible. Um, some of the the receptions that Odell Beckham Jr. is making is saving him a little bit, but I mean, the, these passes are not good. I mean, Ey needs to be replaced. The writing's on the wall. This Giants team isn't going anywhere this year. If you are going to draft a quarterback, you better make sure you don't have one already on your roster. Kyle Waletta has not been given that chance. He's already getting some first-team reps in practice this week. Get him now while you can because he's going to be a starting quarterback, and he's going to have a lot of weapons. So this is a guy who in Superflex, I am getting now. Get him before he's going to cost you a mint once he's named the starter in probably a week or two. Um, Josh Adams is the other guy. That's another guy who I had on the uh, – on the this week next week segment from uh, from last week's episode, and he, he was clear he's the number two running back there in Philadelphia, and it was also clear that outside of Wendell Smallwood's uh, touchdown run, that Josh Adams looked like he was the most effective back in in Philadelphia. He uh, he really looked good. He looked fresh. Um, he hasn't been used much this season, and he's pretty much what they need. He's that kind of guy who's going to run north and south. He's not going to get um, east and west a lot. He's not going to try to stretch um, defenses out, but he is going to get positive yards, and I think that's what that offense needs. So um, if I'm looking for a running back, Josh Adams is an under-the-radar guy that I'm picking up now um, because I think his role is only going to expand. My last guy is Tim Patrick, and uh, John, I'm, I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on Tim Patrick. And the reason why he's on this list isn't just because of the Deshaun Hamilton injury and the fact that, um, you know, he he's going to get some snaps because of that, but it's also because there's some rumors that Demarius Thomas may be dealt on the deadline, which is Tuesday, um, by the end of the day, Tuesday here. So if that does happen, all of a sudden, Cortland Sutton moves up to a starting role, and Tim Patrick could see himself as the number three wide receiver on this team. Um, so his opportunity could go up. I think this is the time to buy him just in case that does happen. Um, so what what are your thoughts, John, right quick on Tim Patrick? Uh, Tim Patrick definitely is a is is an ex- outstanding talent. And like you said, I mean, there there could definitely be some some work opening up. Um, I, I am a little concerned that, uh, Jordan Taylor could make it back and, uh, and cut into his workload. But I, I mean, I think that, I think that you're onto something here as far as a potential ad. Um, I mean, you can, you should be able to get him pretty cheap before his, uh, his workload increases a little bit. He's definitely got Case Keenum's attention. So yeah, I think this is a, a really good sneaky pickup that you could probably get for, basically your minimum bid okay yeah awesome uh, that that was kind of kind of what i was uh what i was looking for so i appreciate you chiming in on that i'm gonna go to my drops right quick uh first one is Jameis winston look i know in a super flex league you're probably not going to drop him um this is probably a guy you hold on to for a couple weeks just to see but i i, I mean you got to do something with this guy his trade value is at an all-time low he's taking up a roster spot and even when he does play he's not very good I mean, that four-interception performance was terrible. He looked awful against Cincinnati. Cincinnati was dominating that game. Ryan Fitzpatrick came in, and in, what, a quarter and a half, 
he outscored guys like Drew Brees. Um, he outscored several of the top scoring quarterbacks on a weekly basis, playing a quarter and a half. I mean, so the plays were there. The plays were there to be made. It just Jameis wasn't making them, and I don't think they can go back to him anytime soon unless Fitzpatrick gets hurt. So um, Jameis Winston's a guy who, if you don't drop now, if Ryan Fitzpatrick has one more good game, I think he, uh, Jameis Winston becomes droppable right away. Um, next on this list is Rashad Penny. And look, uh, Chris Carson is quietly – He's quietly such a good back. He's having a good season. He, again, another another good performance this past week against Detroit in Detroit, um, posting over 100 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Davis is the clear number two there. They like him near the goal line, and you know he's getting uh, work as the number two. I don't think Rashad Penny has a role on this team moving forward. So in redraft, I'm dropping him. I'm dropping him uh, really quickly. And the last guy is John Ross. Look, early in the year. It looked like John Ross was going to get some run. Um, it looked like he was going to get some opportunity. And with his speed and playmaking ability, I thought, well, maybe this guy's worth rostering. It's become clear. Taj Boyd and, uh, you know, there, there's a few other guys there that are going to take priority over uh, John Ross. And, uh, you know, if, if you watched um, this past week when the Chiefs uh, – uh, I'm sorry, not the Chiefs. When the Bengals ended up beating the Buccaneers, I mean, you saw clearly um, that uh, uh, that Tyler Boyd's going to be the uh, the number two receiver there, with AJ Green being the number one. Even Adam Erickson got some, you know, a, a few targets. So um, I don't know that John Ross is is going to is going to have a role on that team moving forward uh, for the rest of the season. So that's a guy that I'm dropping as well. All right, next set of SOPs here, the buys and sells. These are guys who are owned in 60% or more of Yahoo leagues. So it's not likely that they're going to be on your waivers, but these are still guys that that are worth buying and uh, potentially buying a little bit low. Some of them you're, you're not even going to get much of a discount, and they're still worth it. And then some guys that you can sell high on as well. And we'll start with Travis. All right, so my first buy in Superflex is Joe Flacco. Uh, Joe Flacco is coming off of another bad game this week against Carolina, and his name is Joe Flacco. So you should be able to get him pretty cheap. Uh, but if you need a solid quarterback, too, in Superflex, I love the idea of trading for Joe Flacco right now. He is the QB 16 right now on the season. So he's already trending to have his best season in four years. He has the best weapons around him that he's had in years. And he also happens to have the best strength of schedule for quarterbacks for the remainder of the season. Uh, check this schedule out. Next week, Pittsburgh, then Cincinnati, Oakland, Atlanta, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and Chargers. That is a beautiful thing. Dang, that's a, that's an amazing. I mean, you can't even you couldn't uh, you couldn't fathom creating a schedule better than that. You couldn't. That's insane. You couldn't bribe the league for a better schedule than that. Seriously. That's that's insane. So <laughs> I, I would I would almost bet money that Joe Flacco finishes as a top 12 quarterback this season, which is pretty insane because he's never done it in his career. All right. My next buy <laughs> for this week is Nick Chubb. He had a subpar game as the or in the first game in his first game as a starter. He had a bad statistical game in the second game as a starter, and that should create a buying window for Nick Chubb, who is awesome and who definitely has better games coming. We have no idea how this offense is going to look under the new interim coaching staff, but we can safely assume it's most likely not going to be worse. 
And he has the second best running back schedule in the league for the rest of the season. So I'm all about buying me some Nick Chubb. The first guy I am selling is Matthew Stafford. So I've had kind of this thought going on the last few weeks. I shared it a little bit last week, but you know, basically the, the last three weeks he, Matthew Stafford has finished as the quarterback 18 quarterback, 16 and quarterback 16. So he's not really super high as far as a sell high, but he's still Matthew Stafford. So I think he carries some name cachet to where you can still get decent return for him. But I, I think that this team is starting to get a new identity on offense with the success of carry on Johnson and the running game. They, so last week they, they weren't able to, to run the ball because they fell behind. And so that's the one thing that could possibly save Matthew Stafford's fantasy season is game script. But if they can, I think that they're going to try to run the ball a lot. And they won the last two games with a successful run run game and limited Matthew Stafford pass attempts. He had 26 and 22 in the two weeks before last week. Last week, they lost the game and Matthew Stafford threw 40 times. So I, I think that for the rest of the year, if they can get away with, as long as they can stay in games, I think that Matthew Stafford is going to have limited opportunities. He also has the third worst strength of schedule rest of season for quarterbacks. So I, I think that we should get out from Matthew Stafford. The last sell is Kenyon Drake and Drake is, I like Drake as a player. He, I mean, he's been playing really well. The problem is they won't commit to him in any sort of real fashion. He's putting up good statistical games and good fantasy games, but he is doing it on severely limited opportunity. I think he touched the ball nine times last week and same thing the week before that. It was pretty close. So he's not getting very many opportunities. The argument for him, though, is, you know, all of his opportunities that he is getting are are high, highly valuable ones. They're mostly in the passing game. So, I mean, it's possible that he keeps putting up good games, but I just think, you know, eventually the lack of opportunity and the limited touches is going to catch up to him on a team that just isn't very good. No, I'm kind of good with those. Um, Matthew Stafford is a little bit of a tough sell, but, I mean, like you said, the schedule, the he might be losing a wide receiver here at the trade deadline as well. So they're shopping Golden Tate right now. They, they, I mean, it's it's hard to say. That could go either way. But that would be a massive loss for Matthew Stafford. I mean, it's one thing to, to lose a wide receiver, but it's another thing to lose, you know, a, a guy who plays a unique role in that offense, to, to lose your slot guy and, and all you've got left are, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, who are two very similar players, I mean that that could that could hurt Matthew Stafford at least for the rest of the season. And I mean they were probably going to lose Golden Tate in the off season to free agency anyways, so dynasty isn't quite as big of a deal. But uh, for the rest of the season, if they lose Golden Tate, I'm I'm definitely uh, on board with with moving Matthew Stafford for whatever you can. Even though, even though I agree with it, there's no way I think I could submit an offer to try to acquire Joe Flacco. Though, like I just, I don't, I don't think it's in me. You know. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but you could, pr- you could probably get a pretty good piece back with Joe Flacco if you sold Matthew Stafford. Yeah, yeah, I suppose if you're doing that, I mean, that that might work out well for you in a redraft. So I, I, I'd consider doing that for sure. All right, my turn. The first guy I'm going to buy is Cam Newton. 
he just passed his his last real test for the for this season and uh only went for 219 yards passing on on uh 21 completions but still threw for two touchdowns he also rushed 10 times 52 yards and a touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens defense who I mean we've been saying on this podcast is easily the best defense in the NFL right now and Cam Newton had absolutely no problems against them and from here the schedule really lightens up it starts this week with Tampa Bay he still has Pittsburgh he's got Detroit he's got Tampa Bay again and then uh, in your fantasy playoffs weeks 15 and 16 New Orleans and New Orleans in Atlanta those are all bottom five defenses uh, against quarterbacks. So Cam Newton has a beautiful schedule going forward. It gets a little tough when he takes on Seattle, but that one's at home. And uh, and then at Cleveland is, isn't nearly the cakewalk that it used to be. But, I mean, if he can do what he just did against Baltimore, those two matchups don't scare me at all. So buy Cam Newton for your playoff run. And then Doug Baldwin just had another down game um, as he continues to get healthier and healthier. I mean, I think that he saw the toughest coverage. Without having watched a whole lot of tape, I think that he saw a lot of Darius Slay um, in uh, against Detroit this week, which left Tyler Lockett and David Moore with uh, fairly soft coverage. But, I mean, Russell Wilson has been a buy candidate for me for several weeks now, and just as a buy yeah i know right it's been it's been weird it's uh it's it's been a weird time for me but i i mean the the proof is just i mean it for russell wilson's entire career he has been a second half of the season quarterback most of his production comes later in the season and uh he wins fantasy championships for you and I, I mean, I think that we're on course for the same thing. It's a reasonable schedule for the for the Seahawks going forward, and uh, a, a big part of that is going to be Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin is still the number one wide receiver there. I mean, Tyler Lockett is scoring touchdowns pretty much every game. That part's unsustainable, and that's not something that I'm inclined to chase. But when you've got the number one wide receiver in an offense. It's about to go on the type of run that it that it's capable of going on. Yeah, I'm I'm buying that. So Doug Baldwin is a big time buy candidate for me. And then two guys I'm selling. First of all, Peyton Barber. I mean, his to me his production coincided with Jameis Winston being in the starting lineup, uh, being the starting quarterback. I know that health was part of the issue, but. I think that a big part of it, to be totally honest, is just the 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 pass run balance shifts significantly when you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick in the lineup. I think we go right back to the Peyton Barber we saw to start the season, which is not somebody who I who who you're going to start. So now's the time to uh, to sell him based on the productivity that he's had the last couple weeks. And same thing with Marlon Mack, two straight 100 yard rushing games. That's not going to continue, and uh, now is the time to sell high on Marlon Mack, um, while you can uh, while you can sell on those two 100-yard games. So let me get to my buys and sells right quick. Uh, first off, I'm buying David Njoku, and well, he came off a very disappointing game. A goose egg. You scored zero points. 
he didn't hit the stat column. It, it, that it was terrible. It was a plus matchup for him. They didn't use him very well, um, you know, for multiple reasons, whether it be the offensive coordinator or uh, just the the supporting staff, uh, supporting cast not doing well. Uh, Baker really has struggled these past few games. I expect things to open up a little bit. Um, they got a new uh, offensive coordinator, like we discussed earlier, in Freddie Kitchens. Um, this guy has uh, had success as a tight ends coach. I expect him to be able to coach David Njoku up a little bit, and I expect that offense to take a step forward uh, in another plus matchup this week against a uh, vulnerable defense. So I'm buying David Njoku still. I still think that um, he's going to have uh, some really good fantasy games left in him this year. So I'm, I'm not too down on him. Uh, the next guy is Demarius Thomas. I'm buying Demarius Thomas based off of the fact that his name has been thrown around for a few weeks as far as uh, trades go. I think it would behoove Denver to trade him, to, to get rid of Demarius Thomas, to open up some playing time for Cortland Sutton, um, see what you got there, and get something for a guy who's probably not going to be around next year anyways. So um, I think it makes all the sense in the world for Denver to move him, and I think there's a lot of teams that could use him. Um, I know New England's one of them that uh, a lot of people have tossed around. I think Washington is a team that could use him. Um, you know, if they're going to compete, that would be a team where he would walk in and be the number one wide receiver right away. Um, so I could see his role expanding um, no matter what team he goes to. So I would be buying him now in anticipation of a deal happening later on today. Um, selling, I, I'm selling Deion Lewis. Look, I don't want any part of that Tennessee offense. Deion Lewis has been the guy there uh, of the two backs that you wanted to own, but I'm totally convinced that I don't want to own either of them just because that Tennessee offense has, has been so bad, and I have very little hope that it's going to improve. I mean, I've seen nothing that tells me that Marcus Mariota is going to be able to run that offense any better um, than he has. Um, you know, I, I just... I don't know. For fantasy purposes, there's not a lot of players, if, if any players on that team that I want. And I am selling Eli Manning. Obviously, now is the time to do it. He's still a starter. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case for much longer. So if you're in a super flex league, try to get rid of Eli now um, and try to get something in return. Because if he does get benched, I don't think, A, he's coming back to the starting lineup this year, and B, uh, his his value is going to go down to the point where you're not going to be able to sell him. So that's a guy I'd be selling right now, too. Um, what are you guys' thoughts? Man, Demarius Thomas would be such a good fit in uh, New England. I, I mean, where I usually say they ignore mm -hmm. the outside guys. First of all, Josh McDaniels was the one who drafted Demarius Thomas when he was the head coach and, uh, and uh, GM here in Denver. And then... Uh, not only that, I mean, Demarius Thomas is not the, you know, the typical deep threat type of guy that the Patriots love to just ignore. He is much more of a big body possession type wide receiver, and I think that he fits perfectly in that offense with what they try and do. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think that's a really good call. I mean, it, it's, I think that that you're right. I mean, there are a lot of different scenarios where he can increase his value with a trade here, but. New England would be would be the dream scenario, and I think I'd move heaven and earth to get him if he goes to New England. That's just it. I think if you make this move now in anticipation for that trade to happen, um, you're going to be maybe better off. However, if he doesn't get dealt, you know that you're taking a risk there. But another another possible landing spot for him that could be really good is Green Bay. Um, you know, there's been rumor that Green Bay may be in the market for a wide receiver, and if they are. Uh, Demarius Thomas playing opposite of Devontae Adams with, you know, uh, potentially, like you said, MVS in the slot or something like that. Um, 
I think could really be an upgrade for this offense. So that would be an interesting spot for him too. Either way, if you have uh, Aaron Rodgers or um, Tom Brady throwing you the ball, um, as opposed to Case Keenum, no offense to Keenum, but uh, that, that's a significant upgrade, you know. So uh, either way, I think that would work out really well for him. Yeah, that makes me think that maybe Geronimo Allison is either a sell or maybe just a straight-up drop. I mean, the fact that they're even in the market for another outside wide receiver just kind of tells me that they, they're they not thrilled with, with what they're getting from Allison at this point. So, I mean, mm-hmm. even if they don't get Demarius Thomas, that doesn't, you know, even if they don't make a move, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all of a sudden fine with what they're getting out of Geronimo Allison. Anyways, let's do our last segment here. Next week, this week, and these are guys who we believe that next week are going to be high waiver priorities. So if you stash them now, you can get them for cheap or free and be ahead of the curve by a week. And once again, starting with Travis. All right. So first up, I have Darren Sproles. That's not a it's not a sexy pickup by any means, but he should be back soon, hopefully after their bye week this week. And I, I just think he's going to be involved. I think he's going to have a role in the passing game. And I think he is going to be a PPR contributor. So, I mean, he had seven targets in his only game he played this this year in week one. And they obviously don't, you know, they're not going to commit to anybody, to any one back uh, as any sort of workhorse. So I think that there's a role for Darren Sproles when he does return. And the other guy I have is Kenneth Dixon. And he is still on IR, but I think he's eligible to come back in week 10. Uh, John, he's your boy, so correct me if I'm wrong on that. But, you know, it's just this backfield is less than inspiring, to put it nicely. Alex Collins has been okay. He hasn't really done anything special. Buck Allen seems to be losing his job every week. So I just think that there's room for Kenneth Dixon to come in and and do something. And so, I mean, he's a speculative ad. Obviously, he's 0% owned. So if you've got a free bench spot, I think Kenneth Dixon Kenneth Dixon is a good stash. Yeah, week ten is correct, and I love that one. You you beat me to the punch on that one because I was that nice. is my boy. So I was definitely gonna gonna go with Kenneth Dixon here, but I I am gonna take a a similar route here. Gio Bernard is far more owned than Kenneth Dixon. He's actually twenty eight percent owned on Yahoo in uh, Yahoo fantasy leagues, but. Uh, Gio Bernard. So the Bengals are on by here in week nine. And uh, by week 10, it's expected that Gio Bernard probably makes his return from injury. Uh, two tough matchups, uh, New Orleans and then at Baltimore. And then after that, it's a cakewalk for these Cincinnati running backs. And Gio Bernard can actually serve a, a much better role in uh, those first two games back against New Orleans and Baltimore than Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon can. Uh, these uh, Both of those defenses are not giving up a whole lot of rushing yards. Um, so the guy who catches passes and gets out in space is actually likely to be the more valuable of the two backs. And then, I mean, there's... And then he works himself into a role and uh, has bottom 10 matchups the rest of the fantasy season. So... Gio Bernard, uh, it, it's 
you know, when, when he comes back healthy, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's a very good fantasy contributor. And again, less than 30% owned right now. So stash him um, in anticipation of uh, once we get through the Bengals bye and Geo comes back healthy. And then Cortland Sutton and, you know, back to the Demarius Thomas trade angle. Cortland Sutton is the reason that Demarius Thomas is available for trade. He's only 10% owned in Yahoo Leagues. Yet he stands to be the the starter and the number two wide receiver if and when Demarius Thomas is traded, and he's uh, he's already been productive to a point where he should be way more owned than ten percent. But I mean, if this trade goes down and Cortland Sutton st- is no longer competing for snaps and targets with Demarius Thomas, and he's got that outside wide receiver slot locked up. I mean, look out! This is a this this is an opportunity to buy low, extremely low, on a guy who could be a high end wide receiver too for you the rest of the season. I'm gonna go to a couple guys here that uh, I think are flying under the radar. First one is Alfred Blue. Um, I know he's been the primary backup to Lamar Miller, and Lamar Miller has been good. He really has been. But I think that eventually the carries and the touches that he's getting, I mean, we've already seen him get banged up a little bit. I think Alfred Blue is more than capable of um, of putting up numbers in his in his absence. So I, I would I would pick up Alfred Blue now and hope that, you know, he gets some extended opportunity, whether it be from injury or whether it be from the Texans wanting to keep him fresh come the playoffs. But this Houston Texans team is starting to play better on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Um, They got some softer matchups coming up to where I have a feeling they're going to have the lead and running the ball is going to to be – you know, the, the way that they're going to, to run clock late in the games. I think that the game script is going to call for that. So Alfred Blue's a guy that I'm going to add. Uh, it's kind of a speculative ad that um, I think either Houston is going to reduce Lamar Miller's workload coming up here pretty quick. Um, or, you know, if, if he does sustain this, uh, this heavy workload, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure on him to, to stay healthy. And with the amount of hits that he's going to accumulate, maybe that doesn't happen uh, for the full, you know, the rest of the season. So that's a guy that I'm kind of looking at is Alfred Blue. Another guy is Richard Higgins. And this guy's been out for the last few weeks for the Cleveland Browns. Um, he should be heading back. I, th- I think this week um, he'll probably be back. And look, Antonio Callaway's been okay. Um, you know, they've had a couple guys step up, um, you know, that that have been okay. But I think early in the year, Richard Higgins was the uh, the guy um, outside of Jarvis Landry that really showed the most. He showed the most flash. I know a lot of people are really high on Antonio, uh, on Antonio Callaway, but Richard Higgins has a good grasp of this offense. He had some good chemistry with Baker Mayfield, too, uh, in the offseason and preseason. So this is a guy who I think is going to see an expanded role once he is back. I think this week might be the week, and he's got a plus matchup if it is because they'll be playing the Chiefs. They should be down. There should be a lot of passing, and that Chiefs passing defense, well, the Chiefs defense is getting a little bit better. That pass defense is still susceptible to some big plays. Rashard Higgins could be the main benefactor of that um, over these next couple weeks when, uh, you know, you're playing some beat-up secondaries with Kansas City and Atlanta. Um, I like Rashard Higgins as a speculative ad. We will wrap it up for the week right there. And as we do, we're going to ask you for a quick favor to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the podcast uh, wherever you can. Um, iTunes in particular, those ratings and reviews help us to ex- to expand our reach 
get out to new audience members, and really zero in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the entire DLF family of podcasts, Megafeed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, along with the Superflex Super Show. And check out Travis's solo podcast, the Travis NFL Fantasy Football Show, three times a week, 30 minutes or less, helping you prepare for every single week of the fantasy season. And you can send us your trades on Twitter. We're actually doing another trade show this week, and uh, we've got some very special guests to help us out with that. So send us your trades on Twitter, at SuperFlexShow. We can retweet them, help you get more votes and more comments, more analysis, and then we can bring them here on the podcast and uh, talk about them with our guests this coming Thursday night. You can also follow the show at SuperFlexShow. Travis, he's at TravisNFL. James is at underscore JamesTheBrain. And I'm at SuperFlexDude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. But above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Happy NFL Trade Deadline Day. Happy Candy Corn Day. Until the end of the week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Bye.